Today, I want to talk to you about reset from failure, how to reset from, from failure. Well, one of the reasons that I, I love the Bible is that the Bible talks about people's mistakes and failures. The, the Bible is full of stories about imperfect people. The, the Bible doesn't paint people out to be perfect and having it all together, not at all. The Bible talks about how a perfect God interacts and helps imperfect people and how, how God helps people overcome their failures. And so I love reading the Word of God. It's just a book full of stories about a perfect God helping imperfect people overcome their hurts, habits, hang-ups, and failures. And today we're going to study an individual named Peter. And Peter has some, some pretty big failures and mistakes. And we're going to look at Peter today in the New Testament and learn how to reset from our own failures and mistakes. And I want, I want to share with you the first thought is this as we, we look at two common failures today. Two common failures that we all make. Number one is reset from your failure to lead. Your failure to lead. I want to begin reading in Matthew chapter 16 today as we look at Peter beginning in verse 21. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm getting ready to go die on the cross for humanity's sins, and that's what I'm getting ready to, go, to do. The hour is drawing near. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. How many of you know that you got to be uh, a pretty brave person to pull Jesus aside and to rebuke Jesus? Come on, you got to be a bad mama jamma to say, come here, Jesus, come here, come here. Never, Lord. Now, that's what Peter did. I mean, Peter is rebuking. He's rebuking Jesus. And he said, this shall never happen to you. Uh-uh, Jesus, you're not going to that cross. Verse 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Come on, all of our locations, everybody say, get behind me. Come on, say it one more time. Get behind me. Satan? Satan? Yeah, that's Jesus sometimes didn't talk too nice. You know what I'm saying? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God. Peter, you don't have God's will in mind, but merely human concerns, but merely your own will, human will. And notice, I want you to grasp this. Peter was supposed to be following Jesus, but instead he's trying to lead Jesus. And, and there's no mistaking what Jesus told Peter when he first called him to be a disciple. When he called the disciples, he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And yet Peter is having a failure that we all have in life. And that is Peter is trying to lead Jesus. And then Jesus says to Peter, he, he refers to him, he he tells Peter that he's acting like Satan. Why? Because one of Satan's biggest schemes is to get people out of God's will or to keep them from God's will. 
That's one of his biggest schemes is, 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 to, is to keep people from God's will. And, and, and so Peter was being used of Satan to try to lead Jesus out of God's will. It was God's will for Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary so that humanity could experience forgiveness. And Peter is trying to lead Jesus out of God's will. And friends, can I tell you something? That's how Satan works in all of our lives. He tries to lead you and I out of God's will. He tries to get us to lead our own lives away from God's plan and purpose. And friends, you have to understand God has a plan for your life. God has a will for your life. Every day when you wake up, no matter who you are, no matter what mistakes you've made, I want you to understand that God has a will for your life. He has a will for your friendships, a will for your relationships, a will for those of you who have children, for your children. God has a will for your career. God has a will for your, your education. God, every day when you wake up, you need to realize God has a will for your life. And what you want to do is you want to know God's will and be in God's will. you got to know God's will. And that, that's why we tell you, read the Bible every day. Have time with Jesus every day. Be, be sure to be in church faithfully. Why? So you can know God's will and be in God's will. That's why we talk to you about getting in a small group. Why? So that you can know God's will and be in God's will. That's why we're having first step even today. Get to first step following this service. Why, Pastor? Because you want to know God's will and be in God's will. God has a will for your life. And, and then when you get out of God's will, do you know what Jesus says? Get behind me. Get get behind me. The only way that you will know God's will is by getting behind Jesus. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me. You know why? Because so many of us want to get in front of Jesus. We, we, we want to try to lead Jesus. Some of you are trying to lead Jesus right now. You know, you're trying to do your own thing. You're trying to lead Jesus. And Jesus, listen to me, he will let you lead yourself. You see, God has given all of us a free will, and we can make choices. We can make stupid choices. We can lead our own lives. And then what, what's, what's comical is that, is that we lead our own lives sometimes. We, 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 we make this failure to, to be in charge and to be the leader of our life, and then we want God to show up and bless our mess. Like, oh, no, God, I'm in charge. I'm caught in the shots, but I need you to come behind me and bless what I'm doing. And God will not bless you as you lead your own life outside of his will. God blesses people who are in his will, who, who get behind me, and they follow Jesus. There are some of you that, that you wouldn't categorize yourself as, as in front of Jesus, but you kind of say, me and Jesus, we're kind of side by side. He's beside me. And I hear people say, Jesus is my homie. He's my homeboy. He's my dude. No, he's not. You see, you can tell your homeboy what to do, your homegirl, your friend. You, you can tell them what to do. You can give them advice. Jesus does not want your advice. He does not need your advice about how to run your life. He, he doesn't need your advice about how to run the universe. How many know God's doing fine just by himself? He really is. And yet, and yet we want God to kind of be beside us and kind of like, you know, I, I'll tell you what to do. And sometimes you tell me what to do. I give you advice, God, and you give me advice. No, no, no. Get behind me. Satan. <laughs> 
You're out of my will. You're trying, to, you're trying to do your own thing. You're trying to lead your own life. And what I love about Peter is that Peter got behind Jesus. And what's interesting to me is I really try, I always try to put myself in the story. And come on, most of us, if Jesus would have called us Satan, we would have left. Like, I'm not staying. You calling me the devil? No, I'm, I'm out. See you, Jesus. Peace. But that's not what Peter did. He got behind Jesus. You know, if I shake your hand, you know, I'm always out in the hallway loving on people and shaking hands. And, and I shake your hand today and love on you. And you tell me, you know, Pastor, I'm doing my own thing. And you kind of describe what you're doing. And I say, you know, you're out of God's will. Get behind Jesus. Satan, you're not coming back to this church anymore, are you? Uh-uh. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're done. Oh, no. The pastor called me Satan. But you are acting like Satan. You're out of God's will. You're leading your own life. You're trying to boss Jesus around. You're trying to order Jesus around. And what we have to do, we all fail. We all, can, we all have Peter moments where we try to lead our own life, do our own thing. Reset. At the beginning of 2017, reset. Quit asking Jesus to follow you and bless whatever you want to do. Quit trying to give Jesus advice and telling him to come beside you. And you're going to listen to some of his advice, but you're going to give Jesus advice as well. And get behind Jesus. Some of you need to get behind Jesus in your dating relationship. You find yourself in this season of your life, come on, like the desperate housewives. Back in, you're desperate. You're starting to compromise. And, well, he's not saved, she's not saved, but they almost are. You know what I mean? They almost. I'm believing God. You know, we called that when I was growing up, we called that missionary dating. You know, I'm, I'm dating, I'm a missionary, I'm going to win them to Jesus. That's God's will. No, it's not. It's your, his will to win, you win them to Jesus, but not for you to marry them. Not for you to continue to date somebody. You, you know what you got to do? You got to hit reset and quit telling Jesus, giving him advice about your life. You got to get behind Jesus. Some of you in your career, you got to get behind Jesus. Just this last year, you had somebody at your workplace that you told them, you said, oh, no, if I was you, I wouldn't take that promotion. No, don't take that promotion. And you reason, the reason you told them not to take that promotion is because you wanted it. Stop that. You got bad motives. Reset. You're compromising at work. You're compromising your integrity. And then you're saying, God, please bless it. Jesus says, no, I'm not, I can't bless it. Get behind me. Get behind me in your marriage. You're trying to do marriage your own way. And that's what I love about this marriage conference, man. Even my wife and I, 19 years, we'll be married 20 years this year. And, and what I love about it is we, we all just need to tune up. As Pastor Rob said, we, we, you got to just hit reset and say, there's some areas in our marriage that we're not behind Jesus. Get behind Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your parenting. And you're trying to lead Jesus. And it's a failure that we can all have. And Jesus says, reset. Get behind me. I've never asked you to be in the lead. I've asked you to follow my lead. The first common failure that we have to reset from is failure to lead our own lives. Number two is this. Number two is this. Reset from your biggest failure. This is not easy. Reset from your biggest failure. And the Bible, once again, what I love about the Bible is it talks openly about people's failures and mistakes. And the Bible describes to us Peter's biggest failure. I believe it was his biggest failure. Jesus, when he was 30 years old, was beginning public ministry. And he called 12 disciples, one of them being Peter at the age of, at the age of 30. He called these 12 disciples. And they followed Jesus. 
Peter was personally mentored and invested in by Jesus. Jesus taught him how to do life and live life and how to follow God and be in God's will. I mean, mean, he had Jesus as a personal mentor. He got to hang around Jesus and see miracles. He saw Jesus open blinded eyes, stop deaf ears, saw him heal people that were crippled. He seen Jesus and he was a part of the miracle of feeding thousands of people with couple of fish and five loaves of bread and it just kept multiplying and multiplying I mean he saw it for himself he saw Jesus walk on the water and cast out demons and even Peter himself experienced the supernatural the power of God Peter cast out demons Peter himself saw miracles he he saw healings he performed and God used Peter to perform miracles and Peter actually one day walked on water Jesus said get out the boat and come and Peter actually walked on the water and and towards the end of Jesus's ministry Three and a half years of following Jesus and being mentored, a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is getting ready to die on the cross of Calvary. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's calling out to the Father. He really doesn't want to die this, this horrible, horrific death. But, but as he's calling out to the Father, Je- Peter, James, and John are just, are just a little ways away. And he's sweating like, sweat, like drops of blood as he's calling out to, to the Father. And, and then the Bible says Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, he shows up in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has some soldiers with with, with him, and he kisses. The one I kiss, he tells them, the one I kiss, that's Jesus. And he kissed Jesus, and he, he betrayed Jesus, and they arrested Jesus. The soldiers arrested him, and, and they took him away, and, and he, Jesus began to be interrogated. He was on trial, and Peter followed Jesus from a distance as, distance as they were carrying him away. He didn't want them to know he was with Jesus. And as Jesus was being interrogated, he was on trial. One day people came up, that that day people came up to Peter and said, you're one of them. You're one of his disciples. And on three different occasions, Peter denied knowing Jesus. I believe his biggest failure. After experiencing the miracles, three and a half years of being mentored by Jesus, walking on water, he says, I don't know that man. And earlier the same day, Peter had told Jesus he would never turn his back on him. Come on, have you ever been there before? Lord, get me out of this. I promise I won't do that again. You know, you made some promises like that. Let me show this to you in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 33. It says, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciple, other disciples said the same. I want us to listen to Luke's account of, of Peter denying Jesus. I love the Bible because it gives different perspectives of the same story. There were multiple people there, and so they write. They're inspired by God to write from their perspective. And here's what Luke says in Luke 22 and verse 33. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Peter said he would go to prison and even die before he would disown Jesus. And just an hour or so later, he denied Jesus three times. I want want us to look at the third time Peter denies Jesus. Three different denials. I want us to look at the third one. Matthew 26 and verse 73 says, And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, 
certainly you are also one of them, for you, your accent betrays you. Verse 74, then he began to curse. Some scholars don't believe he was actually cussing and using cuss words. They, they actually believe that, that, G, that, that Peter was calling down curses on himself. In other words, he was saying, I'm not lying. I don't know that man. And if I do, may a curse be upon me. I'm surprised he didn't get struck by lightning that day. Come on, you know what I'm saying? He's calling down curses on himself, and whether he was cursing or calling down curses on himself, either way, it was horrible. And the Bible goes on to say, and he swore an oath, on an, an oath, I don't know the man. Peter is swearing that he doesn't know Jesus. He's basically saying, I swear to God, I don't know him. I swear on the Bible, I swear on the Torah, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. It goes on to say, at that moment, the cock crowed, the cock crowed, the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This was a horrific failure. The Bible says Peter left Jesus and wept. I mean, bitterly wept, wailed because of his failure. Get the picture here. Jesus is on trial. Jesus is getting ready to die an excruciating death. And Peter walks out on Jesus. He leaves Jesus at the darkest moment of his life because of his failure. And the Bible lets us know that Peter went back to his old life. He went back to his old lifestyle. When Jesus finds Peter in John chapter 21, Peter's fishing. He's given up on himself. He's giving up on God using his life again. His failure has him in a bad place. You know what happens to a lot of people? That happens to so many people. They fail. They mess up. They have their biggest failure in life. Many of you know what I'm talking about. You've done it. You've had your biggest. I've had my biggest. And when people have their biggest failure in life, they have a tendency to go back to their old lifestyle. Some of you are there. You've messed up. You've blown it. You've had some big failures, and you find yourself back in your old lifestyle. Hang out with some of your old friends again. Back in the bar scene. Back in the club scene getting high again, getting drunk again, sleeping around again, cheating again, using filthy language again. You just, you just kind of, you know, well, I've already blown it. I've already failed. I mean, God, can't, God doesn't want to use me. And then people drift back into their old lifestyle. Listen, failure can be devastating. Failure can cripple you. Failure can make you go backwards in life. What I want to do for the next few moments, I want to give you three truths. Three truths you must know after your biggest failure. Please listen, lean into what I'm going to teach you right now. Three truths that you must know after your biggest failure. Number one is this. Your failure hasn't caught God by surprise. When you commit your biggest failure, you need to know that your failure hasn't caught God by surprise. Notice this in Matthew 26 and verse 34 about Peter. Jesus says, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night... Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Friends, Jesus knew Peter was going to fail. Jesus was not caught off guard by Peter's failure. He knew he was going to fail, and he still loved him. And friends, listen to me. Jesus knew you and I were going to fail. He knew we would all sin. Jesus is not shocked by your biggest failure. 
The problem is you're shocked. You can't believe what you've done. You can't believe what you did. You're embarrassed. You're, you're ashamed. You don't want to talk about it. You hide it. You're ashamed. You feel unworthy of God's love. But friends, the very reason Jesus came to this earth was to help sinners, was to save sinners, was to rescue sinners. Paul says it like this in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. This is a trust, trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. I love that part. Everyone should accept it. Why? Because it's not, it's not easy to accept. This truth is not easy to accept. Now, it's easy to accept for everybody else. It's just not easy to accept for yourself. And here, here's the truth right here. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul says, and I am the worst of them all because Paul persecuted the church, authorized Christians to be murdered and killed. And Jesus came for the worst of sinners. Friends, hear me today. Jesus did not come for perfect people. He did not come for people who have it all together. Jesus came for messed up people. He came for broken people. He came for people with hurts, hangups, and habits. He came for addicted people. He came for people who have committed the biggest failures. It's okay not to be okay. God already knows you're not okay. He's not shocked by it. He's not surprised. He says, the reason I came. Well, you people are messed up. He goes on to say in verse 16, verse 16, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with, with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul says God, is pa- Paul was, God, God, Paul says God was patient with me, the worst of sinners. Friends, hear me today. God is patient with you. I know you have failed him over and over again. I know you said you wouldn't do that again. And you feel like a failure. I want you to know that God is patient with you. He's waiting on you. God is waiting on you to get tired of trying to lead your own life and do your own thing. He's waiting on you to quit trying to boss him around. God is waiting on you to surrender fully to him. He was patient with Peter. He was patient with Paul. He's been patient with me, and he's patient on you. Your biggest failure has not caught God by surprise. Number two is this. Number two is this. You need to know this. Your failure isn't bigger than God's grace. Your failure isn't bigger than God's grace. Notice back in this story, Luke 22 and verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan, this this is Peter, Simon, Peter. Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, when you have turned back, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. I don't need to turn back. I'm not going to mess up anyways. Jesus, Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Before Peter, before Peter ever messes up, before he commits the biggest failure of his life, Jesus already told Peter that he provided a pathway for forgiveness. He told Peter that he was praying for him. And I want you to notice the prayer that Jesus prayed. Because you know what this prayer does? It shows us how God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness has already gone before our failures. Jesus prayed, Peter, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. 
I'm not even going to pray for the mistake. You're going to make the mistake. You're going to fail. My, my, my prayer is this, Peter, is that Satan is trying to sift you as wheat. Satan is trying to stop you from following God. He wants, to see, he wants to, you to lose faith in God and faith that God can use your life. Peter, listen, what, God, what, 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 what Satan wants to do is when you mess up, he doesn't want you to turn back to God. And listen, I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith will not give up. That your faith, when, when, you, get, when, when you mess up, that you will just get up. Don't give up when you mess up, Peter. I'm praying for you that your faith, that your faith will not fail. I'm praying for you, Peter. Your faith will not fail. And friends, what I want you to understand is one of Satan's greatest attacks against humanity is to get you to give up after you mess up. Satan, hear me, he's trying to sift you as wheat. He is messing, messing with your mind, your emotions. He's telling you you're unworthy, you have failed, you've blown it, you did it again. You said you wouldn't do it again. You went there again. You're with him again. You did it again. And he's trying to sift you as wheat. Come on, everybody, whisper reset. You got to reset. You got to reset. Jesus is praying that your faith will not fail. God has already provided you a pathway of forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, come on, somebody needs to confess their sin to God, confess their failures to God. The Bible says he is faithful, and to, I love that word, he's faithful. Come on, it, 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 it would mess with you if it, just, it says he was just, but he's faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Quit letting the enemy sift you as wheat. The enemy's trying to push you away from God. He's using your failures and mistakes to try to distance you from God. But Jesus is praying for you that your faith, that you would turn back to God. You would surrender to him today. Number three is this. Number three is this. The third truth is your failure won't stop God's plan for your life. Your failure won't stop God's plan for your life. Notice this in Luke 22 and verse 32. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. I want you to know this. Notice this. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Jesus told Peter that he had a plan for his life even before he made his biggest failure. He told Peter, listen, Peter, after you blow it big time, turn back to God, and then I'm going to use you. Strengthen your brothers. I love this. He was telling Peter, I have a wonderful plan for your life, even after you mess up. And Peter turned back to God. And if you're not familiar with the story of Peter, God used Peter in a powerful way, even after his biggest failure, denying Jesus. At the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached the first message after Jesus rose from the dead. And that day, 3,000 people got saved, came to Christ because of Peter how God used him. Peter went on to be a powerful apostle and leader in the early church. Peter, after his failure, wrote two books in the Bible, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Because, listen, when you mess up and you fail, even your biggest failure, you can hit the reset button. You can hit the reset button. God still has a wonderful plan for your life if you will turn back to God. There's a man in our church, in our church that, that I'm very close with. I've been close with this man for years. He was born in, in 1956. And, and the man in our church, he, in high school, he was 
going to visit relatives and he would go over there frequently to hang out with these relatives and they smoked marijuana. And one day as he was hanging around these relatives, they, they offered him some marijuana and, and he accepted. And he began to smoke marijuana from time to time during his high school years. And, and after high school, my friend, he began to smoke marijuana every day. And because it became a habit, he found a drug dealer who could supply him a lot of marijuana at one time. And then he realized when he had all of this marijuana that he could recoup some of his money by selling it. And so he became a drug dealer and began to sell marijuana. He began to be profitable in his selling of marijuana and he decided to quit his job and make a living being a drug dealer. Because he was hanging around drug dealers all the time and, and hanging around people using drugs all the time, he got exposed to some different kind of drugs and started experimenting. Hallucination drugs and pills and then he found his drug of choice, cocaine. First he began to sniff it and then he started using rock cocaine. And when he got on cocaine, it began to destroy his life. He didn't care about his family anymore. He was married with children. He didn't care about his friends anymore. And he was selling those drugs, but he started using so much of what he was supposed to be selling that he lost his money and his cars and his jewelry, he lost it all because he was an addict. He started making some really bad decisions. And he thought, I'm, I'm getting ready to die. And he put a family member and a friend in jeopardy that they were going to lose their life because of his decision making. And a drug deal had went bad. And my friend hit rock bottom. He was separated from his wife on two occasions. She got tired of it got tired of him and his life. And my friend finally decided, man, I need God. He went to church just from time to time in high school, never was faithful, but he turned to God and gave his life to the Lord and started going to church every single Sunday. And for an entire year, my friend was drug-free, focusing on his family, loving God, taking care of his children again. And about a year of being free from drugs, my friend had a relapse, even as a Christian, going to church every Sunday. He had a relapse, and he used cocaine again. And he decided that Sunday morning after that Saturday night, he decided, I'm not going to church. I'm half high and messed up and beating himself up. And there was somebody in the church, because he was so faithful going to church there every Sunday, they noticed he wasn't there. And so they showed up at his house, and this gentleman sat down and said, man, I didn't see you today. He said, well, I did drugs again last night. He said, well, did you confess it to God? He said, yeah. He said, did you confess it to your wife? He said, yeah. He didn't condemn him. He said, well, get on back up and come on back to church. And my friend that day hit the reset button. And got back into church, serving God, worshiping God, recommitted his life back to God, followed Jesus. And my friend has been drug-free now for 25 years. 25 years. 
Many of you know my friend. My friend has been a pastor on our staff for 11 years. His name is Shelby Johnson. Check out his picture here. And today, Shelby Johnson, loving people, preaching the gospel, used by God because his failure didn't stop God's plan for his life. Somebody say reset. Look at them beautiful grandbabies. Come on, somebody. Beautiful wife, beautiful family. God's using his life because he hit the reset button. And I'm telling you today, I don't care what you've done, how much you've blown it, how much you messed up. Today, you can hit the reset button. Your failure won't stop God's plan for your life if you will get behind Jesus, if you'll turn your life to Jesus.